Good morning and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Stoffer, with another request edition. And we are keeping it up this week. If you haven't listened to Simon's episode from Monday, go ahead and give it a listen. But if you have, you understand it's out-of-state week. So I have some out-of-state players that I'm going to talk about today. A linebacker and then a whole bunch of quarterbacks from basically the Midwestern area. And then one over in Pennsylvania. But... Jumping into things, I'm going to talk about Hunter Warren, the 5'11", 204-pound middle linebacker out of Cy Fair High School in Cypress, Texas. He was the 6A player district defensive MVP in District 17. He was unanimous first team all district as well as third team all state, which is saying something in the state of Texas. So, Talking about Hunter Warren here, I'm going to just jump right into his strengths. You know, he's a very downhill linebacker. Absolutely. He has a great read step as far as diagnosing where he needs to go on a play. But I'd say that the best strength that Hunter Warren has is he is a fantastic blitzer. You know, at one point he tackles a quarterback before the quarterback could even complete a handoff, a handoff. And, you know, we don't see timing like that very often. You know, we... You say something like that, you think of the Troy Palomalus of the world. So, you know, for that kind of immediate comparison to come into my mind as far as football IQ and timing and watching film and doing everything right about that with that great first step that he has is phenomenal to see, especially at the 6A Texas level. I also think that as far as, you know, when he does blitz, he uses his hands pretty well in the pass rush to move offensive linemen and keep distance between him and them. You know, and he also tears really well at the ball when tackling. He forced a handful of tackles over the past two years for this Cy Fair high school team. And, you know, I think he's going to continue to do more. By the way, he's class of 2022. I don't know if I mentioned that or not. But like I said, he's an excellent blitzer. And part of that comes from timing. And the other part comes from that I never see him lose the leverage game. You know, he has very consistent leverage. He understands to stay low when tackling the quarterback, the running back, or a wide receiver on screens or anything like that. And obviously, if you guys have been listening, you know that I stress leverage a lot with these players. So to see a linebacker play at the correct leverage and consistently win using said leverage is amazing to see for me. He's a very fast linebacker. I believe that he had his 40 time listed at 4.6. And I can believe that with the first step and the footwork that he shows whenever he's going through a hole or whenever he meets a running back at the hole. And you can tell with that very quick acceleration and burst that he possesses that it's going to be very hard to push through Hunter Warren if it's even possible. I also think that, you know, he's... He squares up on tackles inside the box very well. You know, there's there's not a single play, I don't think, where he comes in at a weird angle or, you know, he's constantly squared up to the ball carrier when he plays inside the box. And, you know, like I said, high football IQ for timing, but also as far, he's always in the right place. He takes phenomenal angles to catch running backs or quarterbacks, especially whenever quarterbacks roll out and he's in coverage and no one's in his zone. He will take off immediately, like, I, like I've like i said about Tyson Lambert, like a homing missile, and just absolutely annihilate these quarterbacks. He makes sure that anytime he hits a quarterback, that they think twice about getting up for sure. He's a very physical player, 
and, you know, he bounces off of attempted blocks. You know, there's a lot of times where there's pulling guards that make it to the second level against him, and he just bounces off of them or pushes them one word or the other and continues to make the play. And I want to say that, you know, he, he performs in playoffs as well. There was one playoff game where he was particularly dominant, where I think he had like four or five hurries, maybe a sack, as well as, you know, just like double-digit tackles. So you don't have to worry about him shying away from the big moment. You know, we're going to get a lot of answers to a lot of these players because they have quite a bit of postseason experience, if I'm going to be completely honest, in this group of requests. So, you know, we get to evaluate that and see how that pays through. And in this last season as a junior, he had 15 tackles for loss in 12 games, four sacks and six hurries at the middle linebacker position. Those are pretty impressive stats, I would say. So, but talking about areas of improvement for Hunter here, you know, and maybe why I think that middle linebacker isn't necessarily the position for him is I'd say in the past game, he didn't show me a whole lot as far as, you know, he's very reactionary in the past game, if that makes sense. So he kind of waits for the play to come to him a lot and he doesn't diagnose pass plays as well. And so to get Hunter Warren off my back, you know, I'd probably run a lot of play action boot where he's going to end up tackling the running back if he's on a blitz. And if he's not on a blitz, then I feel like I have a pretty good shot at getting it to my tight end. As far as, you know, be, because he's not going to diagnose the play as fast or he's going to let the pass catcher catch the ball and then tackle him. So as I think that, you know, that's also a testament to play recognition needing to be worked on, at least in the passing game and absolutely needs to be improved. I think if he wants to play on that next level, that maybe D1 level that I think he's potentially capable of playing. But I also want to say that you know, this is going to sound very nitpicky, and that's because it is, but sometimes he makes the play a little too early, like when he gets through the line, you know. Obviously, this happens a lot of the time on full-out blitz plays where, you know, there's going to be someone else to clean up the mess, but he'll tackle the quarterback who handed off the ball to the running back because he's, he's in the backfield before the quarterback can hand it off, as I've already said, but, you know, if, if you take out the quarterback, then you're not the one who can tackle the running back obviously, or vice versa, depending where he'll tackle the running back when the quarterback keeps it and he'll take off. And so depending on what supporting cast you have and depending on what your responsibilities are, if you're the only guy blitzing, then maybe that could be a problem where the other guys could escape. But that's super nitpicky. I also want to nitpick a little bit more and say that when you get outside of the tackles, you know, whenever he's moving more towards the sidelines, his tackling form and technique is not as clean as it is inside the box but i don't think that's a very huge problem because it's still pretty sound and you know like i said his tackling inside the box is dang near perfect so you know to expect him to be like that all the time as a junior in high school is a bit much but it is something to consider i also just want to say that i want to see a bigger variety of pass rush moves especially when I'd say that that's the biggest strength of his game because a lot of the time it is his timing and it is his hands, but I didn't see really like a swim move or, you know, I want to see him develop his, maybe his shuck or sidestep a little bit more or work on using his arms just a little bit more as far as like intimidating the offensive line with your speed. And, 
you know, I think that he's athletic enough to maybe even have a spin move too. So I want to see a higher plethora of pass rush moves. And I think it's very possible for him to do said things. But overall, I'd say that the biggest question mark for Hunter Warren here is definitely his passing game skill and, you know, his recognition in that because he has no interceptions in two years on varsity. And that's like kind of a big red flag for a middle linebacker who, you know, should be making plays on some screen plays and should be jumping some potential slant routes and things like that. And, you know, elevating his game to the status of playmaker is what I'd say is the, one of the only things that he's missing. And so talking about outlook here, as I said, Hunter Warren, I do think that he has potential to go D1, probably at the FCS level as a linebacker, as a middle linebacker, that's probably the high end that I could see him doing. But at this moment in time, as a middle linebacker, he's definitely high end D2, low end FCS. But what I might recommend for Hunter Warren with his ability to time blitzes so well is to gain a little bit of weight, you know, get up to that 220, 215, 225 kind of range in there. And, you know, maybe he has a little bit of growing to do. I think if he can get to six foot, I would think about sliding him to outside, outside linebacker and, you know, maybe making him a stand-up rusher on the edge with his speed, with his strength, with his hands you know, and with his tackling ability, I think that he'd be an outside linebacker that, you know, would rack up a ton of sacks, but also not be a liability in the run game and have that ability to even be moved around. You know, he showed some good movement, I'd say pre-snap and, you know, he has excellent footwork. So I think that he could be a killer off the edge and be super dynamic. And if he was able to make this transition to that outside linebacker where he could walk down to the line, but also maybe drop back and improve his pass coverage a little bit more, then I definitely think that, you know, FCS is no question at that rate. Or, you know, if he improves his pass game at middle linebacker, I also think that FCS is no question to me. And arguably, depending on how the move to outside linebacker goes and how much more growing he may have, like if he can get up to 6'2", which is, you know, a little bit to ask, but... You know, you're not done growing until you're like 24 or whatever the heck. And if he could get up to 6'2 by like junior year of college and weigh like that 220 pounds, I think that he could be an outside linebacker rusher guy in the NFL. But, you know, that, that's a lot of projections and a lot of looking for it and a lot of what ifs, um, has beens and what to do's. But, you know, that's just kind of the way I see it. I definitely think that Hunter here is a next level talent and I could see him being moving up into a second team All-State kind of look if he's able to improve his stats and stay on the field a little bit longer this next season. But Hunter, thank you so much for whoever requested Hunter. It was on the Hall Edmonds TikTok. So shout out to you. I'll probably be able to tag it in the TikTok coming out a week from this episode basically and you know thank you guys so much for listening hunter obviously you are invited onto the show to defend yourself or kind of hash some things out so but that does it all for hunter warren out of cypher high school coming up next we have bo bivens the 180 pound six foot quarterback out of toynton high school in wyoming
Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Stoffer, and we are talking about Bo Bivens, the six foot, 185 pound quarterback out of Torrington High School, Wyoming. So I'm going to start with areas of improvement here for Bo and then move into some of his strengths. So I think that, you know, his throwing motion is just a little bit off. It's not the worst that I've ever seen. It's just a bit more diagonal than I usually like, but that's a little bit nitpicky. And then also I'd say that he doesn't really step into throws really well. And his default is to kind of throw off of his back foot, which doesn't translate well, if at all, to the next level, if I'm going to be completely honest. He relies a lot on his arm strength and, you know, he forces some passes into some very tight windows and you can see that reflected in his TD to INT ratio of 12 to 7 this past year, which is not super impressive and compared to these next two quarterbacks, it's like an entire tier or two below. You know, especially in the state of Wyoming where there was one quarterback who had a ratio of 19 to 1. I also want to say statistically that the stats don't help him out too much since he only threw for 123 yards per game. It's not mind-blowing or eye-popping in some of the ways that these other numbers that I'll be talking about here in the next, in, in the rest of the episode look. And I also think that, you know, he doesn't manipulate the pocket super well. And he's not the most athletic quarterback, I'd say. You know, he kind of loses his feet a little bit underneath him, depending on when he runs. And you could tell that they don't ask him to run like some of these other quarterbacks, once again, that I'm going to talk about. And, you know, if he has a 12 to 7 interception or TD to INT ratio on the Wyoming 2A level, that's kind of a huge red flag for me because Wyoming is small as it is. 2A is small as it is. And so for him to not be dominating, you know, it. You if you want to get a Division One offer, you have to dominate at that level. And, you know, you have to pop off the page. You know, even, even the 3A level is a really harsh place for quarterbacks where, you know, this past season in Colorado, we saw Jordan Wolverton have a phenomenal season, bring a state championship to a town that hasn't had one in over 50 years. And the best offer that he got was a preferred walk-on to see you. So, you know, you have to be bar none the best in your state and you have to leave no doubts. So, you know, I think that mechanically you work on some things, decision-makingly you work on some things and, you know, you kind of have to play so well that your coach wants to run the offense through you. But, with these things being said, on areas of improvement, there are things that I really did like about Bo and things that do make me believe that he is a college quarterback to some degree. And one of those things is he makes a huge variety of throws. You know, his coach is not afraid to let him sling it all over the yard on post, seams, deep outs. His deep out throws are probably his trademark throw, and they are very impressive. And when I say deep, I mean 20-yard out routes that he's able to complete you know, very well, you know, very precise throwing on these type of throws. And, you know, he's he's also able to throw corner routes very well, slants, ins, hitches. You know, he throws it all over the field. And we've talked about in Colorado that part of the concern with quarterbacks or something that was in our criteria was that route tree variety. And so Bo definitely has that going for him. Also, Bo, if I'm saying your name wrong, Bivens, uh, just, 
feel free to reach out and correct us. Also, once again, I completely spaced it, but Bo is a class of 2022 player. But continuing on, what I really like about Bo is he looks through his prog progressions, and that's part of the reason why his route tree is so expanded is because you can see him look through his individual routes and then come to a conclusion. And the fact that he takes checkdowns is super mature. The fact that you know he takes the corner route on the slant corner combo or he looks people off on the corner and then comes underneath to the slant is very impressive. I also think as far as arm power goes, you know, he has pretty solid arm power, but I think the thing that makes his arm power work so well is he shows great touch on his passes. You know, he really gently is able to set some balls into a very soft bread basket, so to speak, and, you know, just put it right where the receiver needs it to be. I think that he had an excellent rapport with number seven. I'm not exactly sure who that is, but, you know, there is a great chemistry between his receivers and him and knowing the timing of their routes and you know helping just drop it in ever so softly like a wishing well of some kind and you know these wishes reaped touchdowns and big yard plays so i also want to mention that Bo and this torrington high school team did make it to the state championship at the 2a level i did see some headlines where he might have been potentially injured for the game and also there are no easy to find game by game stats for Bo. And, you know, I'll put that on 2A football and I'll put that on max preps as I usually do. But, you know, it's it's still worth mentioning that this Torrington team is partially a contender due to Bo here. But the most impressive part about Bo is the way he uses his eyes and head to move defenders. You know, when you have a quarterback that can look through progressions and throw a variety of routes, then, I mean, obviously that's that's a huge deal, right? But when he's able to open up the opportunities for said routes by moving the defense using his head and eyes consistently, and I mean multiple times a game, he's able to open up these opportunities no matter what the scheme is, no matter what the play call is, no matter what the combination of the routes are. He does this constantly, and I can tell that it's not necessarily a scheme thing. It's basically instinctual from what I could tell from Bo, and that is you know, very mature to see from a junior quarterback or a quarterback of any kind, you know, it's, it's Tom Brady-esque in, in the way that he's able to move the defense with his eyes and with his head. But talking about outlook here for Bo, I do think he's a very raw quarterback and he's a bit on the smaller side, you know, at six foot, 185 pounds. So I do think that he kind of needs to bulk up. It's, it's pretty appropriate for his frame, I would say. But, you know, durability is a mild concern. And then also, you know, 2A football, it's just a really hard sale. And, you know, the stats don't necessarily jump off the page whenever you do get to find them. So I'd say for Bo, he kind of, I think he could be a D2 player at, at the most. I definitely think that the D2 route isn't a bad route for Bo, depending on the strides that, like, as in right now, I think he could be a D2 player. Definitely NAIA. I could see him getting a lot of offers from NAIA schools to be their guy, you know, with the touch that he shows and with him being able to look through progressions. And I even think that D2 is also an intriguing route for him. But I do think that Bo has a lot of raw physical tools and the football IQ to kind of bet on himself and maybe even take a Juco route and use that to kind of 
get some collegiate coaching while at the same time working on his decision making and having a real chance to have a team of his own. And he also has a senior year too. So if he's completely dominant and he comes out as the best quarterback in the state of Wyoming, then I think that increases his chances of getting like an FCS offer or, you know, maybe FBS, not even in the power five. I think that if he can win over Wyoming, like the University of Wyoming, that's probably his best chance to play some of that big boy football. But in order to do that, he has to be the best quarterback in the state of Wyoming and, you know, probably win a state championship and throw for a bunch of records like some of these guys that I'll be talking about here during the rest of the episode, including, you know, a top 20 recruit on the ESPN 300. Spoiler alert, if you know, you know. But that's all I have to say for Bo. Obviously, we wish nothing but the best for any of these players, including Bo. I hope that he makes tremendous strides his senior year. And, you know, I hope to see him become the best quarterback in Wyoming and get that opportunity at the University of Wyoming or elsewhere. But don't be afraid to go Juco if the offers from D2 or NAIA aren't super appealing to you and see if you could prove yourself on like a one or two year type of thing where you can even redshirt and then transfer, you know, you might even come back to Wyoming. That's what uh, I, I won't say come back to Wyoming is what Josh Allen did, but the Juco route is the route that Josh Allen took before becoming a household name and arguably one of the best Wyoming players of all time on that gridiron. So that does it for Bo's analysis. And coming up next, we have Ethan Kohler out of Perkiamon, Perkiamon Valley High School. We'll figure it out before we get back for the break. Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Stoffer, and we are back this time in Pennsylvania. So, you know, started out in Texas, moved up northwest out to Wyoming. Now we're changing up entirely and going all the way out to Pennsylvania, where we are talking about Ethan Collar, the class of 2022 quarterback for Perkiamon Valley High School. Don't even get that figured out. Standing in at six foot two, 225 pounds, and has the stats to back up some elite play. Ethan here, he won the 2022 Pack Offensive Player of the Year. He also has a 4.6 GPA and was a first team all area and first team all league. And, you know, I think that he's going to be a next level talent at the FCS level at the bare minimum. And here's some reasons why, you know, I think Ethan Kohler or Kohler, once again, Ethan, if we're saying your name wrong, just reach out to us and maybe we can get you on the show anyway. So Ethan, he steps into his throws very well and he displays superb patience and touch on timing routes, you know, and something about timing routes is they are next level concepts and they are something that even NFL quarterbacks struggle to do successfully or wait for or understand, but Ethan is the guy for timing routes, you know, whether it's specific in routes or, you know, cross field stuff. He's very good at waiting for that exact moment for it to click open, you know, and he's very good at throwing on the run. You know, a lot of his concepts, especially his sophomore year is where I saw a lot of it in the film were rollouts and floods and play action. And so, in order to do that, you have to have great footwork 
And Ethan has exactly that, you know, collar. He's able to manipulate the pocket super well whenever he's asked to stay within the pocket, but he throws on the run super well. He plants his feet, he has a strong base. He keeps, he keeps his feet moving. And he also steps in, like I said, at the very beginning, he steps into his throws very well. And that all starts at the very core of Ethan as a football player. And that's with insane footwork. I mean, this guy already has collegiate level footwork in my opinion. And he's one of the more refined passers because, you know, his base is just so well put together. Also, you know, speaking on his pocket manipulation, I think it's absurd for someone his age to be able to move up, down, left, right in the pocket the way he does. And that's also a testament to, once again, his football IQ, like I talked about with the timing routes, and his awareness. You know, Ethan's awareness allows him to be a phenomenal quarterback in this Pennsylvania, you know, for this uh, Perkyamon team, Perkyamon Valley, that is. And, you know, he, he's very mature, I'd say, mentally and, you know, as far as footwork goes. For a quarterback his age, you know, for him to be a junior and a sophomore in the film that I watched, and for him to be able to do these things well is kind of insane if I'm going to be completely honest with you. I also think that, you know, he uses his shoulders very well for moving defenders, but more specifically, his pump fake shoulder is very strong. It's very quick. It doesn't take away time from his release, really, or, you know, the rest of the play that's developing. And that opens up a lot of opportunities. And it's very necessary for a lot of these timing routes to work to sell that deep ball and then come back underneath on a more complicated route or to sell that quick throw and then go to a deeper throw, whether it's a sluggo or a hitch and go or what have you, right? So these are some things that Ethan Collar does very well. And it led to two very solid seasons. You know, I'll talk about his sophomore season. He threw for 2,249 yards, 21 TDs to six interceptions and added on one rushing touchdown on 134 yards to go with a 60.7 completion percentage, which is a very high completion percentage talking about high school quarterbacks, especially some of the ones that I've been doing breakdowns on recently and Simon. So, and when you didn't think that this could get much better in an eight game season, so a shortened season, you know, we all know about COVID, the COVID era stats, right? Ethan improved his completion percentage to 62.9% through for 1,451 yards, but this is where he really grows right here, is he threw 16 touchdowns, so only five less touchdowns, to one interception. So his ratio quadrupled in that amount of time, you know, or, you know, tripled, basically, as far as efficiency goes of TDs to INTs. And then, you know, he ran for 185 rush yards, which in less games is 51 more than his sophomore year. And he ran for seven touchdowns his junior year. So his growth as a runner skyrocketed from his sophomore to his junior year. And you love to see that. You love to see that versatility, especially heading towards the next level and heading towards that senior season. I'm very excited to see what he can do with a potentially full season and how he might grow using his legs. And, you know, obviously his footwork plays a huge part in that and his ability to run and cut and, you know, use that field vision, especially. But, you know, I've talked about plenty to like about Ethan Collar or Kohler, but I'm going to start to talk about some areas of improvement that I saw. And I'd say that, you know, on these timing routes, obviously patience is huge and he's able to make them work through pocket manipulation and understanding the, 
football concepts, the play concepts. But these this does lead to kind of a habit of holding on to the ball for a very long time. There are some plays where he is holding on to the ball forever. And I mean, it works on this high school level, but the next level is going to be a whole different ball game. And then, you know, looking even forward into the future for NFL, that is a lot to ask for. I'd say that is a lot to ask for as far as, you know, that amount of time. And you're not always going to have an offensive line that can kind of push people around the same way that this one does. And it might not even be the same next year as a senior, right? I'm not sure exactly what the roster looks like. I don't live in Pennsylvania or know too much about Pennsylvania football other than they produce some studs. But, you know, I definitely would like to see him develop more quick rhythm, quick hitting passes, you know, kind of these one read and get it, get the ball there kind of concepts to see if he can operate under a shortened time span or how he could do against a rush that is pretty relentless. So I also think that, you know, he doesn't have the best top end speed for a runner. Obviously, I think that this is something that improved quite a bit from his sophomore to junior year, but he does weigh a considerable amount more heading into his senior season. He got up to 225 from, I think it was like 195 or even maybe 205. Either way, it's a huge jump in weight, but once again, not sure entirely true how accurate this frame is, but it does seem like he gained weight. And so I think that that's something to consider when trying to work on your top end speed is what's your comfortable playing weight and what works for you. I also think that, you know, he can be caught staring down routes at times, especially ones that where it's just like, you know, if you have the time, which he does, they'll get open. And so, you know, these two things kind of feed into each other where he holds onto the ball for too long, waiting for specific routes to develop, even when he potentially has other routes open. And, you know, his ability to extend the play and move around and flood out of the pocket and whatever kind of fuels into that. But I do think that he needs to work on going through his progressions a little bit. I want to see that more heading into his senior year and going through his college career. His windup and release takes a considerable amount of time. He doesn't have the fastest release. I even think that Bo might have a faster release, if I'm going to be completely honest. And I think that this comes to the biggest red flag for me is I do have some very huge question marks about his arm strength in the velocity category. You know, a lot of his throws take quite a bit of time to get there. And I think that he reverts to using touch passes maybe a little too much in some situations because he doesn't really have the juice to get there, you know, and his whole body is engaged and maybe the extra weight might help out and maybe he gets a little bit stronger, but I definitely want to see that improve from his junior year heading into his senior year is, you know, some of his receivers wait kind of a long time for the ball to get there on the hitch routes, on the comeback routes, on the out routes, you know, and they have to catch him by the sideline and it's a tougher catch for them to make because it just doesn't have mustard on it really. So I want to see Ethan improve in his arm strength, specifically in the velocity kind of way. And that just comes from like seriously getting stronger, right? And just keep throwing the football and work on that velocity because the velocity is definitely the thing that I would say holds him back from being a power five player. And with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and talk about outlook here. Obviously, once again, he's a junior, so he has his entire senior season to work on a lot of these things and improve his game. But as it stands right now, I do think that Ethan with his, you know, football IQ, his touch and the arm strength that he does have and 
the consistent growth that he has showed, and the timing route specifically allows me to believe him to be an FCS player, absolutely, and maybe even an FBS player, depending on the conference. You know, I think that he has that capability to play for, you know, maybe some of those smaller D1 FBS schools, maybe not quite a Power 5 guy, but I would not be surprised if a Power 5 took him in or gave or offered him a scholarship and developed him the rest of the way as far as the arm strength and velocity goes would be the biggest things to work on for me. But I think that as far as the mental game goes, as far as, you know, the, the footwork goes, I think that he's very advanced for his age. And I think that he should be an FBS quarterback. And at that rate, I do think that he could potentially be a one to two year starter on the FBS level. And, you know, depending on the improvements that he makes his senior year, might be able to sneak into a power five conference i really think that he could do that i think that if he's offered anything below fcs that it's wrong you know and people are missing something and so ethan i just want to say that you are definitely a division one quarterback and you know if offers aren't coming out of the wazoo for you to go ahead and bet on yourself and always remember the juco route you can listen to our juco series which is like episodes one through 11 or 12 i think it was and we talk about the juco experience and some of the effects that it had for some quarterbacks and the opportunities that are provided specifically our first episode the chad kelly story so and you could do some things that um or you could avoid some things that he did too as far as off the field things go but that's my analysis of ethan this is definitely a division one quarterback and coming up next we have a power five Division one quarterback, number 19 on the ESPN 300, and the number two rated quarterback in the class of 2021. Coming up next, you're just going to have to wait. <laughs> Time to talk about our last player for today's episode, and that is going to be the six foot three, 210 pound number 19 on the ESPN 300 and the number two rated quarterback in the nation out of Corner Canyon High School, the University of Southern California, Trojan commit, Jackson Dart. So I'm going to talk about areas of improvement because I'm definitely nitpicking and there's not a whole bunch. You don't become the second best quarterback in a class because you have a ton of areas of improvement to talk about. So I do think that, you know, a lot of the time at Corner Canyon, you could see that they run a lot of one read stuff so you know there could definitely be an expansion of opportunities for multiple reads and going through progressions i also think that most of his multi-read throws or whenever you see him look off safeties looks like it's by design to me especially when you look at the difference between his junior year and his senior year when he actually started doing it quite a bit where He'll look towards the wide side of the field and he'll come back to the short time of the field short side of the field almost every time he's looking off defenders so that kind of sends off a signal to me that that's like a corner canyon coaching or schematic kind of thing scheme kind of thing and you know makes me think that that might be something that he potentially needs to work on i also think that whenever he's running the ball you know he ran the ball quite a bit this past season and he ran it pretty well but i do think that his vision can be improved because he did run into his teammates like a lot he just ran into his teammates quite a bit and gets tripped up and i do think that you know if his vision is just a little bit more improved because i think he has the footwork to make it work that he turns a lot of those plays into rushing touchdowns so 
I also think that, you know, he needs to work on his fumble security a little bit, but he progressively fumbled a little bit less and a little bit less and a little bit less. And when I talk about his turnover to TD ratio from his senior year, it's going <laughs> to, your head's going to do a 360 because that's what mine did. It was spinning on a wheel. But, you know, I obviously think that working on ball security is always a good thing. You could do that uh, laceless, wet football drill that John Gruden used to do on his quarterback camp to see uh, how your grip strength was. And then I will point out that for Corner Canyon, he did win a state championship, but this team did win two previous state championships without him. So, you know, I want to know how much he was critical to their success versus just how great of a 6A slash 5A football program Corner Canyon always, or well, recently has been, I should say. But with all these things being said, he was actually a huge part of their success this past year. And I will say a huge testament to Corner Canyon's dominance come from Jackson Dart. So just to stop, start off, I'm going to list off some stats to catch your attention. So Jackson, this past season, uh, threw 67 touchdowns. Just give you a second to think about that. 67 touchdowns to only four interceptions, bro. That is basically Ethan Kohler's TD to INT ratio, uh, but times four um, in the amount of touchdowns thrown, and even a little bit better than that. And then on the ground, he added on another 1,195 yards and six TDs. And, you know, his passing stats, not too shabby, 69.6% completion rate and 4,691 passing yards. This led to a state record for the total amount of yards on offense for 5,867. He also broke the season single season passing touchdown record by seven TDs. So, you know, he left no doubt at the end of the day that, you know, he's the best quarterback in Utah history. He's the best quarterback in Corner Canyon high school history. And, you know, he's going to make waves, I think, for this USC team. And over his career, he threw for over 10,000 yards. He had 12,034 total career yards to the tune of 117 passing touchdowns and 32 interceptions. And, you know, playing in 6A football here in Colorado, we don't know what 6A means because, yeah, it's a bigger conference than 5A. And that happens with bigger schools. This is better competition. This is everything about this is bigger and better that Jackson Dart did. All right. And that's how you get national attention. That's how you get top 20 recognition of all prospects and number two at your position how was jackson able to do this though how was jackson dart able to dominate utah high school football well i'll tell you how his velocity is insane he can throw the heck out of a ball and you could kind of attribute that a little bit to that he's a two-time all-state third baseman so you know you got to be able to whip it over to first base and you know he could whip it all over the field he has stunning arm power oh my gosh his first throw on his highlight reel from his junior year is just a bomb down the right sideline that is perfectly placed. You know, he has between his great arm power and his insane velocity, you know, the two in one where you could throw it deep, but also have a lot of mustard on it. That's, that's a great thing to have, you know, and there's certainly, you know, obviously let, let me, let me restart a little bit. A lot of quarterbacks can have a great arm. A lot of quarterbacks can throw the ball hard. A lot of quarterbacks can throw the ball far. But you're nothing without the ball placement 
to make those things matter and jackson has exactly that he drops dimes all over the field whether he softly has to put it in or whether he has to zing it into a tight window and triple coverage which he has done you know he's capable of doing those things and that's oh my gosh he's just he's insane like i was just blown away watching jackson darts film he throws a massive variety of routes, if not the entire route tree. I don't think there's a single route that I didn't see him throw, especially his senior year where, you know, I think he was able to do a lot more and they handed him the keys to this, you know, corner canyon offense and he did not disappoint whatsoever. I also think that something to consider is he seems very coachable and depending on the resources provided to him, he could be an absolute star. USC, you know, it, it's... It's been a little bit on a downturn for the past few years, but you know I think Jackson Dart is somebody who could breathe life back into this program because his mechanics jumped considerably from his junior to senior year. His junior year, you know, he relied basically on just his arm power, and you know he'd kind of his body would look really weird when he was throwing a lot of time, and he'd contort it quite a bit. This year, super clean, and his release also his junior year was inconsistent. Nope. He has the same release for basically every pass his this senior year and showed a lot of, you know, consistency is probably the biggest seller that you could have as a football player, especially when your consistency is at such an insane level. So I think that between his arm power, between his next level ball placement, between, you know, he engages his whole body in his throw. So fundamentally and mechanically speaking, along with his release and his footwork, you know, he's ready for that next level. And, you know, from his coachability and his ability to throw a huge route tree, I'm very excited to see what Jackson Dart does for Southern California. I'm really surprised that they were able to snag such a highly rated prospect. And, you know, I think that I'd probably give him a redshirt year. I'm not entirely sure, especially when you have Kadon Slavis, you know, who stepped in for JT Daniels. Obviously, it's a little bit of a concern that USC lost two scholarship quarterbacks to the transfer portal in one offseason. But Slavis here, you know, he stepped in and threw for 30 touchdowns and had the best passer rating in USC history. So there's no rush to get Jackson Dart onto the field. And also, I think that this is a great opportunity for Jackson Dart to learn from somebody who played with a bit more of a chip on their soldier, uh, a bit more of a chip on their shoulder, you know, since Jackson is a four star recruit and Slavis here was a three-star recruit but that doesn't matter because of the way that he performed at the college level and I think that you know that's going to be a learning curve that Jackson needs to accept and eagerly take on is that it is going to be entirely different from his high school experience and so I think that with you know Slavis only being a sophomore this year that Jackson's going to have to wait maybe one maybe even two years but I think that this will be great for Jackson and by the time that he's a junior, I do think he'll be ready to step in and take over this offense and be maybe even a one-year starter. He could be a one-and-done kind of guy, depending on how well he performs. Or, or take those two years, get your degree, get your education, and then, I don't know, 67 touchdowns is pretty impressive in high school. If he's able to put up any kind of TD to INT ratio like he did in high school at the next level, at least the ratio and show a lot of the same things along with progressing, you know, through the route tree as far as making progressions, making reads and running, you know, more of those next level concepts a lot better than I do think that he could be an NFL draft guy. Absolutely. I'm not going to do anything crazy like project rounds, but, you know, that's just kind of the way I see it. I also think that he could use the time to put on some weight. He only weighs 210 pounds, which is a little small 
for a six foot three quarterback. So I think he could fill it in a little bit, maybe get up to that 220 pound kind of weight. And, you know, if he's able to maintain speed and velocity with, you know, said setup, then there's nothing wrong with it. So that does it for this episode of the Playmakers Corner podcast request out of state week. Woo! I don't know if this will be around the same time next year, but I would probably assume so. But anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. Obviously, you know, Jackson, Bo, Ethan, and Hunter are all invited onto the show to defend themselves. We appreciate everyone who's put in the requests, whether it's been on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, or whatever. We appreciate the support. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, find Playmakers Corner or The Playmakers Corner on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, and such. So thank you guys so much for listening. Once again, uh, just to re-announce something, Class of 2022 recruits that are in the state of Colorado, your all of your names and stuff have been moved into an Excel sheet, and we're going to start working on our top five position of Class of 2022. So if you're from Colorado, don't expect your film breakdown until probably the fall to winter. But I have been Cody Stoffer. Thank you so much for listening, and have a good one. Peace.